everybody, and welcome back to Writing the Rapids, the show where I, Joe Balecki, talk to writers about writing. Very often those writers have been recommended to me by people who have previously been on the show, unless it's a rejoinder episode, which this is. We are once again talking to Grant Meyerhofer. Grant Meyerhofer is the author of Works from 1111 Press, Parapetet from Inside the Castle, Drain Songs from FC2, and others. His next book, Shame, is forthcoming from FC2 in 2022, alongside an experiment whose title is far too long to print here on Inside the Castle. His shorter works are available via New Sinews, Terraform, and elsewhere. He teaches at Washington State University and lives in Moscow, Idaho with his family. And the book we are talking about is out from Apocalypse Party Press, and it's called The Complete Lungfish. Before we get into my conversation with Grant, let's remind you that you can become a patron at patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. You're not just supporting the podcast, you're supporting everything I do, which is why it's called that. I got three tiers. They're all laid out pretty clearly on patreon.com slash Noisemaker Joe. You can also give me a one-time donation via paypal.me slash Noisemaker Joe, or you can buy my book. It's called Tired, and it's available on Amazon.com. Now, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Grant. Normally, I start these episodes by sort of giving my approximation of the book that, that we're talking about. Um, but there's something about your work in particular that that leaves me apprehensive to do that. So instead, um, I want you to sort of introduce the complete lungfish. Okay. Um, well, so I guess it kind of started with COVID um, where I've kind of... Like I've got a couple of books coming out this year just because I got into these rhythms of it, – it's not like a I – don't, I don't know really how to, to conceive of it. But I would get an idea for a project and then realize that it could be something shorter and then I would just kind of get obsessed with it for a stretch of time. And like the next couple of things that I'm publishing are, are have kind of been the result of that these past couple of years. And so this book in particular, um, I wrote, I think it was like a 3000 word piece, uh, that was submitted to, um, sleeping fish. Cause they had a, I forget what the call, they had a call for submissions related to something. And, I wanted to write something about the band Lungfish and I wanted to write something about kind of not uh, not like fish or, or nature oriented literature necessarily, but in particular, um, Itzhak Walton's book, uh, The Complete Angler, which is more, I mean, it, it has plenty of stuff in it about fishing and, and kind of the... I don't know, like technical matters related to that, but it's also one of those kind of sort of like the anatomy of melancholy um, where it starts from that kind of premise, but it expands out a lot and, and talks about kind of life and patience and, and um, I don't know, kind of following and, and engaging with the, uh, the like rhythms of nature. And so, that was the idea was I, I'm going to do something called the complete lungfish that's inspired by that sort of writing that more kind of naturalistic stuff and the band lungfish. 
And so at first it was 3,000 words. And I kind of said at the time when I submitted it there, I think this could be a book. I think I have, like, I, I like the way that this short piece kind of worked. And I think I can keep adding to it. Like there's stuff that, like I quoted from like Gertrude Stein and Melville and kind of wove that into the process of writing it and was like responding to their work too. Um, and I mean, long story short, Sleeping Fish, I don't know if they, they said no to it or they, they might've not even responded. <laughs> um, but so I had it there. I had this 3000 word thing and then eventually I don't remember somehow I wound up reaching out to Ben, uh, Devos at, or Davos at, uh, apocalypse party, just cause I've liked everything from there that I've read. And I sent this as sort of a, I think that this could be a longer project. I feel like I'm starting to work on it a little bit and it's kind of expanding outward and I wanted to see if he would be into it. And then it became, I don't know, it, it, sometimes like I've pitched projects before they were written completely and it really ruined the whole thing. Like that happened with a nonfiction book. I tried to write about professional wrestling at one point. Mm. Um, but somehow with, with this one and with a couple of more recent ones, I had either a little snippet of it written or closer to like half. And I would reach out to somebody and it, I got really into the process of like sending him more excerpts and telling him like word counts that I had reached and stuff that I had been adding to it. And so, I mean, it, it was collaborative in that sense of, of here's where I am at this process. I'm excited. I think this is going to work. And then him getting excited about it too. And so over the course of, I don't know, a couple of weeks or, or a month or so, it, it was expanding from that initial conception of, writing something that's a little, I don't know, like for a contemporary book I thought a lot about when I was writing it too was uh, Letters to Wendy's, where it's nonfiction, but a little bit abstract and, and not entirely, like there are some fictional elements too, um, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's like an open book or like the process was open where if I was reading something, whether it's from Melville or Stein or Walton, um, I felt okay or I, I felt comfortable putting that in right alongside the stuff that I was writing in the process just because I liked the idea. I, I really, I, I was reading to um, the uh, Hanif Abdurraqib uh, book that he wrote on uh, Tribe Called Quest, uh, Go Ahead in the Rain. And his, I mean, he he does more with kind of interviews with them, and but other other approaches to kind of a nonfiction book that's more of it, it's referred to as like notes toward this. And mm. I think there are it's a number of, of mostly nonfictional books that are kind of like like that's the genesis of like notes toward I don't know a life in the the Andes or uh, that's not an actual book, but there are things like that where it, it starts with kind of this like for me it was that naturalistic uh and then as, as well the band Longfish and kind of what they meant to me because their music i mean it's very kind of repetitive and i was i was going on a lot of long walks when i first started listening to them and i always like to listen to them when i'm walking because i kind of repeat there's a, a track around some fields that's near our house and i'll, I'll walk around that 
and their music is very repetitive and so the walks i don't know they they got like a nice rhythm to them and so i knew that i wanted to write something in the way he had done about a tribe called quest but trying my own kind of attempt at it and so merging that fascination i've had with with walton's work and with kind of those uh, i mean 18th century 19th century books that they might start on you know whether it's melville with the whale or a trip to you know the polynesian islands or something or it's like burton and and the anatomy of melancholy where he is writing some of some of it can be considered science writing he's he's writing about he talks about like the humors and and um the depressive kind of tendency in people from that kind of approach but there's a whole lot in the book that i mean it would never go into like a contemporary study of depression or something but it's still useful and he's i mean he uses like poetry and he uses all kinds of different stuff to get at the subject of kind of the human condition and Walton kind of does the same thing, but starting with fishing. And there's also, I, my, uh, my wife and I, we moved out to Idaho six or seven years ago. And, and so fishing is a part of our lives too. And we've started to kind of share it with our kids and, and it's very, I mean, it's, we live in a beautiful part of the country. And so I, I wanted to do something in that vein. So that's, I mean, probably the longest description I could have mm-hmm. done, but that's kind of the process, the conception and, and where it kind of came out of, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it was maybe after the first third, I really started to notice these sections that had um, lots of repetition um, sort of akin to like the beginning of, of train spotting, uh, the movie at least where it's, um, you know, um, I will blank kind of over and over in the blank changes. And sometimes it repeats and stuff. And, um, listening to Lungfish is sort of like that too. Like even the lyrical sections are, are very much repetitive too. It's not just a, you know, kind of like a drone based instrumental thing. Um, and it's kind of the it's like uh get a job get an apartment mm-hmm. get like from train spotting yeah right. and um the the process of of writing that uh really really interests me because i i have written things kind of like that before either as like practice or as um parts of bigger things or whatever and um sometimes the the going is really slow with that and sometimes it's quite furious um and i find your process quite fascinating i think we talked about it an awful lot when we were talking about peripatet um but um when you were writing specifically those those very um iterative passages was was that like a sort of like furious um very quick sort of writing process for you stuff like that it it's it comes up in um shame the new fc2 book too mm. um as well as uh as well as the new one with with inside the castle i think it is pretty similar for me where finding a rhythm like that where a repeated like the i think the original thing i ever tried with it was the joe brainer just i remember and then repeating mm. that and seeing where it kind of took me 
Um, and I still, I'll still use that as like, I mean, instead of it being every single new paragraph, I'll just do a paragraph where everything starts with, I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes, yeah, there's, there's a nice rhythm, um, like in the, uh, the FC two book coming out in the fall, there was one that was, it was like, fuck this thing and this thing and this thing and kind of repeating based on that. Um, but then, I mean, so that I think is more like, I would almost think of it as it's compelling because of the beginning of the sentence or it's compelling because of the end. And I think if it's compelling because of the beginning, it goes pretty fast. Cause mm -hmm. I, you know, I, especially if it's like, I remember this or fuck this thing, or, you know, uh, I want this, I don't want this, that, you know, uh, whatever the initial construction is, it's rapid fire. If I'm thinking of that first element, because then I can list things off and think about, you know, the job, the bills, the whatever it is. Um, but if I'm thinking about it, sort of as whatever goes into the end of the sentence sort of the i mean i guess like the mad lib kind of empty line um it becomes a little more associative and, and i think i like that more because then i feel like i'm really saying something that's i don't know like i'm digging a little bit into myself to figure out okay what are the associations between these things that i'm remembering and and in this one there's there's sections that refer to like a list of things to read and like one of them is Paul Metcalf and I think it might even repeat that a couple of times but um listing something like that I I, I don't know it's I guess it's kind of the like psychoanalysis associative thinking or something but it, it's really fulfilling to do and it, I, I mean that's something that I'm interested in because like reading work like that, reading Joe Brainerd's I Remember or Shane Allison did another one called I Remember, George Perec did too. Um, it's, it's nice to kind of get lulled into that rhythm as a reader. And you find that even though it is the same, I mean, like at least half, if not more of the sentence is the same because sometimes it'll just be I remember, you know, swings or I remember Coca-Cola or something. Um but the repetition doesn't get annoying for me. Like it, it doesn't feel like, Oh, that it's a cop out or something. Cause they're not coming up with a more ornate sentence structure to package the whole thing new each time by repeating it there. I don't know. There there's, I, I like that rhythm as a reader. And so I think that when I'm writing stuff like that, either it's that staccato beginning of the sentence, like, whether I'm frustrated or something makes me, you know, excited or happy or whatever, um, focus more on the front end. But if it's the, the other half, then it's, it's more fulfilling to write. I think it does take a little bit longer. Um, but kind of trusting those associative leaps that your mind makes can be really, it, it feels like you're doing writing for something, not just for you, but hopefully for somebody else, because I've enjoyed following like the weird associative leaps that that authors make in their own work especially with prose because i think it's done a lot in in poetry mm -hmm. so when it's done in prose it's it's kind of nicely surprising where it is clear that the only thing carrying a writer into the next sentence is what ended the beginning one or what ended the previous one i don't know there's i i like kind of finding or trying to find rhythms like that that 
serve a purpose or something, both for me and hopefully for someone reading it. Yeah, it's not quite stream of consciousness, is it, right? Because it's more directed than that. And so I think that for me, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed sort of falling into the rhythm of the sentences, especially when it like changes up, um, like a sentence gets really short or a sentence gets repeated or a sentence gets longer. And um, I don't know, sort of reminded me of like Stephen Reich type, that like early post-minimalist contemporary classical music type stuff where it's like you get into the groove and then it like phases out for a second and then it gets into a slightly different groove and um i mean the whole book is sort of like that it's um you know the way it looks on the page is something and i i saw that it was laid out by mike correo so i i I knew when i saw that to expect something um you know not boring um but you know these sort of like squares on each page um uh was was interesting and so i'm also curious about um because it seems like you wrote it sort of like um i don't know piecemeal feels like it has a negative connotation um but you know sort of as like this patchwork and um Mm -hmm. i'm i'm interested to know how you assembled the book because there are like section breaks uh right there's these black pages with one sort of more lyrical or poetic uh line on it um and then the tone sort of shifts as we we get divided up by those but um i can't imagine that writing this was a very linear process oh i I mean, in terms of putting things into the document, um, that's another thing that I don't know if it's always been there. I definitely did it like when I was in graduate school and writing like papers for for seminars and literature and and theory and stuff. I couldn't I I don't I mean, I I think I've done it at, at various times, like where you sit down, you open the book and you kind of bang your head against the desk until something starts to take shape. But um, I can remember my first semester and I was in a class on um, kind of 19th century American literature and sexuality. And we read, we read uh, Melville and we read, um, we read a a lot of, a lot of kind of lesser known stuff on, on different aspects of sexuality. And, when I, the the paper that I wound up writing for the class was this thing that I wrote on Melville's Pierre, and mm. the way I wrote it, pretty much from the beginning was I would read on my phone. I had the book on my phone, and then I also had a bunch of like academic PDFs downloaded onto my phone, and I would read a little, and then write in response to that and email it to myself, and. I hadn't even like realized that this had in some ways taken over as the way I approach things, but that is how I've approached my own kind of prose or, or nonfiction or fiction writing now too, where I get into a rhythm and maybe some of it is because, you know, we've got, uh, three kids and, and I'm working and, um, so I don't, I've never been the person who like says, okay, seven in the morning to nine o'clock, that's when I need to sit down and work. I do most of the writing in 
you know, these little moments, if I'm waiting in the parking lot at Target or, you know, uh, in between classes or something, just sitting there on my phone, um, I'll be writing stuff. And, and so that's definitely how this one took shape. And it's kind of, I mean, uh, I think Kathy Acker said that all my acts of writing are very much acts of reading. And that's where the, the kind of quoted sections come in for this one. Mm-hmm. Cause similar to how I would write academic papers, um, I would, uh, read something. Usually I, I like to download a bunch of the project Gutenberg, the free books on there. And that's where all the quotes from this one came from. So I'd be reading them and looking for kind of pieces that might work in this context. And then I would write in response to that. And then, I mean, there's probably a better way to do it. I know a lot of people use the notes app. I just email myself and mm. I mean, uh, I'll, like I said, it's, it's, time dependent a lot of the time if i got you know five minutes or something jot a quick paragraph to myself send it to myself and then so that was the like generational or or, uh the the genesis of of the writing that went into the book and then when i was splitting it up into those sections at first it was kind of arbitrary like i just knew that i wanted this thing to be broken up and i tried to find areas where i could do that and then writing those i mean the 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 kind of titles for each section they were all written in all caps and i think there were even larger font in the word document that i eventually put everything into and then it was i guess yeah it is it is sort of this patchwork or this kind of mosaic thing um that i mean i it it made sense in the end but it, it starts with writing all these little kind of fragmented pieces and then trying to find a like a logic to it um once they're written lately i've been thinking an awful lot about um academia and and knowing that you teach and um just sort of seeing a lot of people recently be sort of like frustrated with the association or a lot of my favorite youtubers are people who who realize they could make more money on patreon doing their like niche stuff on on youtube um what is your relationship to academia and and does that have does your writing have a sort of response to that um in either your techniques or your subject matters or anything like that yeah um I I kind of hopped around a little when I was doing when I was doing my bachelor's and I think first I was at a technical college in Minneapolis and then I was in Chicago for 2 years at more of like a liberal arts school and I think if that had been the end of it then I probably wouldn't have gone into it myself but I I finished my bachelor's back where I'm from in, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and it's, you know, a state school. Um, not a lot of the bells and whistles of the Chicago school and, and not sort of the like fast-paced environment of the technical college, but I had a couple of like classes there where I was working with someone who, the, the professor, he, I don't know, he was very like kind of upfront about his i remember his syllab the syllabi for his courses were like 40 or so pages 
but it wasn't i mean it was because he had actually written out his relationship to teaching and to the class and to the subject matter and his beliefs about students and he would sit there and kind of go over all of that in classes that i took with him i took a class on scottish cinema i think first and then one on uh theory and criticism which was required for the bachelors and then um i i worked as they called it an academic apprentice uh with him in that same class after i had taken it and then one where it was focused on like theory and joy division because he's just obsessed with joy Mm. division and ian curtis um and I don't know. I mean, he he was very upfront with me, especially when I was working with him as sort of a, a, an assistant um, about things he really disliked about what was going on in academia. The school had put a lot of money into like modernizing certain aspects, but left a lot of departments behind and that kind of stuff. Um, but he was really engaged. There would be, you know, uh, protests and stuff on campus and he'd be right there with us. And I just... I hadn't, I don't know why. I, I mean, when I went to school prior to that, I thought, I'm going to write. I want to be a writer. That's it. Like, I, I, you know, whatever work I have to do, that's what I want to do. But looking at him, I, I, for, that was like the first time where I was like, uh, you know, he's, he's a professor. This is his life. He also wrote, he, mo- he wrote more on like film as, as an academic, but, um, and like at the end of the semester he'd have everybody over to his house and just really i mean had a way of cutting through the because there were i mean that campus is is kind of a mess now just in terms of miss you know spending allocation of funds all kinds of stuff like that but he's still there and he's still a part of it and it just really it stuck with me and and then towards the end of my bachelor's I looked into applying to graduate programs and I kind of realized like, oh, I think I could actually do this. I've got, you know, some writing done and, and this kind of stuff. I think right around then the, my first novel had come out. And so I got into two different programs and came to the one in Idaho where they, it's a three-year program and you teach the whole time. Hmm. Um, and my the way that I found out I got in, like this woman called me, Kim, uh, she works at the program and, and she called me and left me this message that I really regret getting rid of it. Cause it was like the nicest thing. She was talking about my writing. She had just taught a course on Dennis Cooper's work and saw that he had, I think he listed one of my books that year or something, um, on his blog. And it was just, I, I had no idea that the kind of reading that I was doing and the kind of writing I was really interested in, that there were programs where I could embrace that. And, and it turned out this was that one. And I mean, since then, uh, like the majority of classes that I teach are on technical and professional writing, which is kind of the, I don't know, that's like the uh, hard reality of, of academia that even though like I have managed to, you know, I've been lucky to, to publish a bit and stuff, but still the majority of my classes are um, ones that are mandatory for like science and, and engineering majors. And I think I, I like that a lot because I get to focus on language and I get to focus on like the utility of writing on a daily basis for these people who are not English majors um, and who don't have a natural inclination towards writing or thinking about it or anything. And I, I like that a lot. I think Gary L. Lutz talked a lot about how 
she embraced i mean this this role of being sort of a, a stuffy grammarian or, or something in in her role as a teacher and and i've read a lot of of her kind of i mean her fiction talks about it but also nonfiction. um and and she taught a lot of classes that were very technical and i think talked a little bit about teaching creative writing but not a whole lot i do i am teaching creative writing right now and it's great i mean i i, I love it and i i try to you know, come up with weird lists and, and show people stuff about like the online literary scene and whatnot. But I do a lot of teaching that's that's pretty cut and dry. And I think that's helped me a lot. I think if I was striving really hard to make my teaching similar to my writing life, then I would be pretty frustrated. And I do. I mean, there's there's no shortage of things to, you know, get mad at with academia. Um, and there are so many problems, but I think that seeing that professor and working with a couple of professors who they didn't really like button their lips or anything when it came time to talk about, you know, department politics or university spending and stuff. And, and most, I mean, writers in academia, as I've seen, they talk about it a lot and they don't, I mean, I, I'm sure some people have lost their jobs for that kind of thing, but I mean, the the ones that I've I've really been inspired by have remained critical of negative aspects of it, and have really you know been there for their students and tried to make that a prerogative. and And I think that has carried me through it enough. So I do. I mean, I kind of I, I love the campus, and I love um, taking writing seriously and talking about this stuff, and and making it as you know alive as i can um so i guess that's kind of where i fall in it with you know the the caveat that i mean there is no shortage of stuff to be to be super critical of and that deserves it um but i guess it's a hope of of trying to do some good from within um rather than looking for something else at least right now mm. mm-hmm. i like that. that that makes me feel good you know i um it's it's good to know that you know there are people within it who who uh you know are the change from the inside is is a something that uh i like to i i remember watching a i had a, a media history class and we were talking a lot about like the the protests and, and riots and stuff in the 60s and all that social change stuff and how there was a a congressman who's like hey guys there's there's people who agree with you in congress and you shouldn't um you know disregard us completely like if we push on the walls from both sides there can be uh, a greater chance of change and i don't necessarily know how much i agree with that within politics but but at least within academia i think i can i can see that being a thing a, a little bit yeah. more realistically um and, and lastly, before we get out of here, I find that maybe you more than anybody else um, with, I think, the, the exception of, of some of the trans writers I've talked to. Every time I talk to you, um, so many of the writers you mention who aren't, um, I don't know, big names like Melville are, are people I've never heard of and who are working in, in ways I've never um, or barely come across. And um, 
I'm curious where you have gotten and where you'd currently get, um, you know, uh, introduced to these writers and this style of writing that I think is fairly unique in the online writing scene. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm kind of always like at least a tab or two open on my computer or my phone usually devoted to i mean links to to like various places of buying books and i kind of i was talking to um derek main about this uh via email the other day and i realized like i kind of i hadn't put it in, into words exactly but um i kind of started writing from a sense of trying to find ways that writing could express stuff that I couldn't otherwise express and so as opposed to starting writing because I just loved reading I was looking for other writers who kind of did that too and so finding someone like Renata Adler or Gary Indiana or um, I don't know even like Elizabeth Young who's who was a critic um, but wrote a lot about this kind of writing whether it was like transgressive stuff or experimental stuff um so i've kind of just followed those i mean i i really enjoy the process of following leads and kind of rabbit holes on the internet related to writing because i'm so satisfied when i can find a book i mean like wittgenstein's mistress or something like that where it's weird and I wouldn't necessarily say that anybody who just loves books would really love it but somebody who is trying to figure out their own writing and trying to figure out like a, a genuine and earnest way of using writing for some kind of purpose finding work like that just matters so much more to me than I, I mean like anytime I try to kind of wade into like even like uh, Nausgaard or something um, I can appreciate what he did with with the My Struggle books and everything, but anytime I try to read them, it doesn't click as much for me as it as it does if I read like uh, Tan Lin had a book called Bib, where it's basically a list of everything that he read over the course of the year, and not just books, but like you know skimmed the New York Post for half an hour on the train and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and it's you know it's much more writer friendly than reader friendly the majority of the time but reading that book felt much more like how it feels to be a person than if it's you know Nausgaard or if it's I don't know um, any any contemporary writer of kind of stuff that that gets a little bit more attention to it um, so I don't know I, I I've become kind of hooked to that process of okay if i find a writer like i don't know back when i was first reading i don't know um lutz or uh even you know someone who's who's a slightly bigger name on the modern like indie scene like scott mcclanahan i love the process of sifting through okay like does he have an interview on the creative independent and does he list books at the end or what does he list and uh, looking for for little references and mentions that that writers that are resonating with me are making, I don't know. It's it's, it's a sort of a it's comforting and it, it feels sort of social, I guess. Um, and that so that's kind of been the process for me is just 
keeping that, I mean, whether it's literally a tab on my phone or it's it's just the book that I'm reading, I'm seeing what other authors are mentioned and and that kind of stuff. Um, just because I'm I'm like always going to be excited if I find something that feels like it's really resonating with me, and so in the process I read a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily, but whenever I find it, um, it's 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 just I mean there's nothing better even I mean it immediately goes into my writing so it's it feels kind of part and parcel like it's it's all the same process um but yeah it's that that process of just okay what is what does this writer mention in this interview uh did they talk about are they part of like a school of writers like the new narrative stuff or or like kind of the gordon lish circle of writers or uh, transgressive contemporary stuff um and then just enjoying that process of sort of sifting through like I love libraries. I love spending time at the library, walking around, getting a stack of books. And I guess it's kind of it, it's a extension of that basic process. Mm-hmm. 